Inside the 18, late at night in this emergency podcast edition. Well, that sounded way too ominous the way I just said that. Uh, I'm Michael Majid. I'm here with Omar Zini. It's uh, about 10 o'clock at night here on a Monday, July 1st, 2019. And uh, honestly, uh, a lot of big things are going on right now. So we kind of felt like we needed to do this emergency pod uh, to release on a Tuesday rather than, uh, than, than waiting until all sorts of crazy events might take place. So uh, we're going to be talking Women's World Cup semifinals. We're going to be talking about the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, basically the uh, American outlaws and uh, how crazy they are about soccer. And uh, we had a little bit of chat with them about goalkeeping, and we're going to release some of that content in the future. But uh, rather than releasing that today, we thought, because you're all amped about these games that are coming up and these past games that just took place. We're just going to make it. It's the 4th of July. We got to do American centric content here today. So everybody who's out now tuning out of the episode, because they're like, we don't want to hear anything about American soccer. uh, Don't worry. We are going to be talking about other countries too. Um, But there's a lot of cool stuff going on in the United States. So we got to focus on that. Right, Omar? Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, we have two teams now in the semifinal. I mean, I think the women in the world cup is a bigger accomplishment than us in the gold cup. But nonetheless, we have made it pretty far to tournaments now, and uh, they're worth talking points. So I'm actually excited to talk about both teams. Yeah, and uh, I just want to remind everybody, please continue to rate, review, and subscribe online. I don't know how much I – don't, I don't honestly – Omar and I had this conversation the other day about how, how difficult it is to get anybody to click onto anything nowadays. It's amazing. It's like people look at something, and they go, oh, that's pretty cool. And they're like, hey, man, you should check it out. Yeah, I'll get to that. Because there's just so much stuff out there. And guess what, guys? Because there's so much stuff out there, if you want your friends to check out us because you really love what we're doing, you got to go on there. You got to review it. You got to subscribe. You got to rate it and all that stuff and get your friends to do it too because that's how we move up the iTunes charts and the Google Play charts and all sorts of fun little things like that. Um, And then that more people can find us and then we can do a lot more cool stuff. Speaking of that, uh, shout out to uh, Madrick's mom, who's trying to set up some uh, some cool stuff for us in Orlando while we're there for MLS All-Star. And shout out to Stan Anderson, who's been promoting our appearances at Camp Shutout coming up July 21st to the 27th, which we're really excited about. And by the way, guys, I think there might still be a few spots available at Camp Shutout. So uh, if you just go to campshutout.com, uh, you can register. And uh, it's always a blast of a time. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're. We have a really packed summer too, so we're excited to, to you know be able to go to that uh, that camp. We're going to be going to MLS All Star, uh, doing a lot of media stuff there. So it's a packed summer, and we're going to have to uh, you know spend a lot of time with each other, Mike. So get your stories ready, get your jokes ready, and I think we're going to have a good time. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't even imagine the uh, the times on the plane too. Uh, what that's oh going to be like. Oh my gosh. We're going to learn some crazy idiosyncrasies about each other from that, <laughs> from that experience. Um, so let's kind of get into this. Let's uh, let's go into this. And first off, I want to talk about the United States men's national team. Um, they just played Curacao, uh, which, as we told you guys in the preview, was going to be a much more difficult matchup than a lot of people thought. A lot of people, again, were like Caribbean nation, whatever. Um, you guys didn't understand. I was right. Because this team is comprised primarily of guys uh, who play in the Netherlands, in the Eredivisie, or in the rest of the Eredivisie. Uh, even a couple guys in the USL Championship and some guys who play in England, even a couple guys who played in the Premier League. So not a low-level team, only recognized by FIFA uh, in, the, in the past few years. Uh, and a lot of that, the reasons is that's why you've never really heard of them before, because before these guys were eligible to play for the Netherlands and that was it. Uh, now they've got this option to go for Curacao. So, uh, let's start off with Eloy room and let's talk about his performance against the United States. Uh, Omar, what'd you think? Uh, no, again, I mean, just building off of the last podcast we did, he's, he was a sleeper in this tournament. I mean, again, he was, he has a pretty big social media following, or at least he used to be very active on social media. So, I had read his name a few times. I think we DM'd each other a few times. So had an idea of who he was. And obviously he has the PSV background. So, you know, playing for a big club like that, you get a little bit more publicity. And then when you see him play for Curacao, you hear about, these, you know, like 15 saves against Honduras, I think it was. Uh, you see just how amazing he is in terms of a shot stopper. And especially throughout the entire tournament, Curacao needed every single one of those saves. I think they beat, they beat Honduras one to zero. And because of all those saves, they were able to go through on that one, uh, one, one, no win. And then against the U S he, you know, almost continued right where he left off. I mean, they made that crazy save against, uh, Pulisic like 
five yards in front of the goal and that that save has gone viral since then. I think you brought up a really good point too, Mike. Like he came across the goal and he kept his feet active. And I think a lot of times we see goalkeepers, you know, fall fall over, put themselves into compromising positions instead of staying big and keeping his shoulders square to the field, uh, which he did. He stayed big. He was able to uh, uh, stay up on his feet to the last second, tipped over that ball, which would, I think, probably have gone in on most goalkeepers in the world. So uh, I thought he played extremely well. I think he uh, he and Zach Steffen kind of went at it. But all in all, I thought it was kind of a boring game, to be honest with you. Not a lot of action from both teams. Um, but uh, I think Eloy Room had a great game. And, I mean, I mean, I'll let you go with Eloy Room real quick, Mike. We talk about Zach Steffen after. Well, you know, it's funny that you said that about kind of a boring game because, to be honest with you, I felt like Curacao was more dynamic than the United States was for the majority of the game. Um, a lot of people, again, they expected them to bunker, sit back, maybe do a 4-5-1, um, and, and really, really bunker in, but they didn't, they didn't do that at all. I mean, they, they went at it and it's really interesting because the thing is the system of play between the United States and Curacao is very similar. Both Burhalter, obviously he played in the Eredivisie. Most of the guys in Curacao, uh, of Dutch, um, methodology. Uh, so, so very similar styles. Um, what I want to say about that save, uh, that happened, I think it was very early on. I think it was, might've been like the fourth minute, uh, in the game was it was the balance that Eloy Room had that allowed him to drop step for readjustment and push away Polisic's shot, yet not drop his shoulder negative into the goal. If he didn't have that balance of readjustment, he would not have been able to make that negative movement, yet still kept his power shoulder in front of the post, allowing the ball to be parried wide. Because I think if he had dropped negative, he would have hit that ball into the net. No, I, I completely agree. I think that's the... That's the beauty of goalkeeping, I think. If he had that play, you know, three or four more times, I don't think he probably would have had that same technique. It's just, it's just so beautiful. And sometimes you have to be kind of more, more so on the lucky side than actually on the skill side. Because I think right there, if, I guess, like I said, most goalkeepers in the world probably would have flinched back and they would have thrown their, like you said, thrown their shoulders negatively. And from that point forward, you're kind of playing, uh, you, you know, behind the eight ball there. You can't really do much more after that. You're kind of already falling back in a compromised position. So for me to, to, to kind of, you know, build on your point, I thought he just stayed big, kept his shoulders square, was able to stay a little bit more on the positive side in terms of his balance. And with that stabilization, he actually had more force on his hand versus the ball hitting his hand. He actually was able to take his hand to the ball and flick it over the net. Um, fortunately, it wasn't enough, but still, or wasn't enough for them to win the game. But still, it was, uh, it was a great save and a talking point for us. Well, you know, I, the, the interesting thing about that is that the majority of the attack from the United States came from the wing serve. I mean, there wasn't a lot of attack. I mean, you know, we can talk about the Michael Bradley shot late in the game, those sort of things. And Pulisic had a couple shots, I think one at the very beginning of the second half. But for the most part, it was only wing service that was coming in. And his positioning was so good. And his he was so good at organizing his back line to stay structured and disciplined that they weren't really able to get anything in there. The only one that was able to play was an inch perfect ball by Pulisic. Uh, and I think it was like near what was like the 26 or something like that, uh, where the ball was floated in to McKinney on the back end. And there was literally he, not, nothing he could have done in that situation. It was perfect. Inch perfect. I mean, Pulisic uh, has really shown us why he's you know such a huge target in Europe and why Chelsea took a chance on him and paid so much money for him. Uh, really stood out for me. And it just he he's kind of fearless. He looked very fearless lately of just kind of taking guys on. And especially with that ball, Wes McKinney was perfectly placed and that ball was inch perfect. Like you said, and as a goalkeeper too, you're kind of scrambling across the goal. You're kind of hoping your defenders can get a touch on it, catch you, you know, give you a break. And unfortunately not much he could do there. He was still kind of moving as the, uh, as that header uh, was put on goal and not much, I guess not much he can do. And I think, you know, if you, if you were watching the rest of the tournament and you had seen Elo Rune's performances throughout the tournament, you probably would have put your money on him making that save somehow. But uh, unfortunately, his luck ran out and Curacao went out, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, there's not obviously not a lot more to say about Eloy Room's performance in this game because he didn't get a lot of shots on him. I thought he was very confident with his feet. Even when he was pressed, he would always elect to play short balls. Again, Stefan and Room were playing very similar styles in regards to with their feet, short combining balls uh, with, his, with their back line. Honestly, Curacao... I mean, they could have very easily taken this game into extra time. And and, and who knows what could have happened in PKs. Um, yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit about Zach Steffen now um, because he's come o under a lot of scrutiny uh, recently in regards to, you know, some of his performances. I honestly don't feel 
that Zach Steffen is at fault with a lot of the the situations that have taken place with the United States. I think a lot of it has to have been uh, with the way that they've elected to play in regards to the short balls and and getting caught, you know, uh, playing the ball. Alyssa Nair got stuck in a very similar situation. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but uh, the game-winning save uh, by Steffen uh, on Leandro Bakuna um, when uh, Bakuna cut across to get separation from Bradley. And even though Stefan went with the bottom hand, he still tipped the ball over due to his great balance and quick lateral movement. That lateral movement was like textbook. I mean, it was so clean. It was so smooth. And uh, again, I would have loved to have seen him go with his top hand, the way that ball was bending. Uh, but Hey, you know, he, he, he got it over the bar and that's all you can ask for. So. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, I haven't, I, I don't necessarily say that I've had a huge issue with the way he's played in the last few games. I mean, against Gorosau, he got a pass back that he took a big touch on and last minute had to clear out. So I think in terms of the balls at his feet, I think he's still adjusting and getting used to it, which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he played for Burhalter with Columbus, so I think that style should have already been ingrained in him. And I think, obviously, it's kind of a worry, and I think why a lot of people have been saying uh, some stuff about him is because he is, you know, a Man City product now. He is going to be uh, loaned out, I think, into uh, the German league. Was it Dusseldorf? Yeah, he's going to be playing – from what I've – he's going to be at Dusseldorf, at okay, Fortuna Dusseldorf, go. which is in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, I mean, I expect him to be the number one at Fortuna Dusseldorf. And, uh, you know, the Bundesliga if – if he can do well in the Bundesliga, you know, that's really going to help him. his case. I mean, the chances that he's ever going to play for Man City are, are, are you know, are – are very small, but uh, yeah. you know, if he can really impress himself, you know, maybe he can get a, a permanent move to to a, a bigger club uh, than Dusseldorf, um, you know, and and make a decent uh, amount of money for for Man City. I, I prefer him honestly moving on somewhere and and getting playing time at, at a reasonable level than uh, than sitting on the bench for Man City for the rest of his life. No, I agree, and I, I mean, I think that's the only knock I've I can say about him in the last few games would just be his decision making with his feet, and I think. You know, it's it's that's the issue sometimes, Mike. And I think uh, Franz Hook once said to a uh, famous goalkeeper coach for United in the Netherlands, he pretty much said that you need to find a goalkeeper that fits the system. That's what we need to find with our goalkeepers. And I think, unfortunately, I don't think Zach Steffen is the prototypical goalkeeper for Berhalter's system because he's not necessarily the most savvy with his feet. But I think uh, hopefully we're not putting too much pressure on him because as I've even said, even with my own career, when I was forced to play out of the back or, you know, they wanted me to have this idea of playing out of the back, I wasn't comfortable because I was trying to force things. And we to all be honest this. with you, I, I will say this, though, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think he's so much better with his feet than people give him credit for because the thing is, is he's actually – I mean, he's he's leaps and bounds of, of, of ahead of some of the goalkeepers we've had in the past on the men's national team uh, with their feet. Um, he is pretty darn solid uh, in regards to his distribution. Um, it's speed of play, and I think, honestly, um, the reason that Man City was attracted is because they felt that he could play in that system based on what they did see with Columbus. If you look back at some of the highlights of Columbus, I think it's the familiarity. I, we talked about this, but it's much much easier to be a number one with your club team than it is with your national team because with your national team, you don't get that familiarity with your back line. You're always either changing guys in and out of training camps, and you also don't spend that much time with them. Yeah, you know, and I agree. I think the only issue I would say, though, is that, I mean, even myself and a lot of other goalkeepers out there, we could probably attest to this, is that when you have time on the ball, you have time to look up, you have time to find passes, you're not really struggling to uh, work on your prep touch. All that stuff isn't necessarily at the forefront of, you know, what you work on in every practice. But with this new FIFA rule, the IFAB rule about uh, having, you know, uh, it doesn't have to leave the box now, you can kind of play it short and the guy can pass it back to you. The ball's coming back to you a little bit faster and at a shorter at a shorter distance. So now instead of you know getting a ball back from about 15 yards, now you're getting it from like four or five yards. And sometimes that speed of play and, and obviously you have the forwards waiting on top of the box, waiting for that bad back pass. I think he's going to have time to adjust. But I think that's the only knock I had on him in the last few games is just his savviness with the ball and kind of the, his IQ uh, kind of you know scoping the field prior to receiving the ball and then seeing what options are on. So that when he gets the ball, he knows where to take his prep touch. He knows where the initial pressure is all of that stuff. But um, he had a few good saves against Trinidad. I mean, I know we won five, uh, I think it was five zero. So I think he had a few good saves, six zero. He had a few good saves to keep the game, you know, one zero, two zero. So I was happy with that. There's a few shots that he took that uh, were directly hit at him, but with a lot of pace and he didn't look too convincing. He kind of punched them away and, found himself in a weird decision-making type of do I hold it? I think that was because of the movement on the ball that he chose to go with the box. And that's, that's not an uncommon thing nowadays when a ball is moving is for keepers to go with the two hand box. 
Yeah, um, but it wasn't convincing. I mean, again, I, I, I understand you want to push it away, but even the one against Trinidad, the shot was from like 40 yards out and it was he punched it like towards the corner flag. It was coming right at him and it ended up at the corner flag. You can only imagine if you're kind of trying to envision how that happened. Uh, it was an interesting situation, but no, you're right though. I think all in all too, he has great technique. I've seen him catch the balls properly. I've seen him come out for crosses properly. Uh, he almost got Wayne Rooney the other day or against the uh, Cordesal, like a 60 yard bomb uh, that he uh, was able to, you know, hustle back to the line, but all in all, it was great, but hopefully he can adjust that new, uh, new FIFA rule of, you know, playing the ball at the back. And I think once he has that down, like you said, there's a reason why Man City looked at him. I think there's a reason why he, he fits so well in Burhalter's system because he has shown uh, the ability to play with his feet, but, with more pressure and less time on the ball, a lot of people can get exposed. Yeah, I think the the number one thing, by the way, I, I want to say that the that new FIFA rule that I I always criticize FIFA. I think I think pretty much every episode we've criticized FIFA in some <laughs> some way. This is this is a rule they actually got right. I love this rule and I, I'm ecstatic about it as a goalkeeper that doesn't like to play the ball long consistently over and over again on a goal kick, especially when we're playing, you know, look. When you're playing at like the semi-professional level or, or you know, or high-level amateur men's league, you know, like like myself right now, um, hitting those 50-50 balls, you know, you're you're praying that uh, <laughs> that that someone's going to win that ball. Uh, who who wants to go up for that challenge? And sometimes the, that guy's like, that dude's six four. I don't want to take the concussion. I'm good. Um, so just being able to play that ball short is just so much better to me. And I, I just love the fact that you know we're teaching kids now with the build-up line to play it short and yada yada yada. Um, yes. Let's talk about the uh, the Michael Maria volley shot that that went to Stefan uh, at near the end of the game. I think it might have been like the ninety second minute or something like last, that. It was like la- literally the last shot of the game. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen because they hadn't blown the whistle yet, and Stefan just was he who is he Rene Higuita? Like I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like I was like, dude, yeah. like no Ooh. hands behind. Like he was like it was almost like as if he was going to put his hands behind his back and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I can just uh, chest this ball down. <laughs> Dude, that could have been scary. It was, that ball was, was yeah. moving, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this could have, this could have really." Could you imagine if that ball had gone in and it was one-one? I'm like, and that would have gone viral for the for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we'll paint the picture for you guys. I mean, he had a probably like a desperation shot, 94th minute, 35 out, maybe yeah, like 35 out, and Zach Steffen uh, decides last second instead of picking it up with his hands, he wants to do some time wasting, so he lets the ball like hit his upper thigh. And when it hit his upper thigh, it took like a weird bounce, but he was able to like literally just grab it right after. But there was a forward who was who was waiting on top of the box to see if there was going to be a rebound. So it was a weird play. I don't I don't know we should talk about it too much because I think if uh, uh you know we I don't want I don't want Zach to be listening to this and be like, man, they're talking about that. Uh, but no, I think that was just a just a little like. I, I mean, look, it's all in good fun. <laughs> I mean, we're we're talking goalkeeper union style here. I mean, we're not speaking negatively in regards to to Zach's performance from they that should cancel his contract Mike because yeah, of that absolutely um <laughs> it was weird but the thing was is that also that was a weird volley that was like a Zlatan like side volley from 35 out like did that I mean dude if that dude had hit that and gone in the goal that would have been literally like the goal of the tournament like I mean I don't know how that that guy expected to be able to I mean that was <laughs> Look, I mean, that's, that's a Brazen move. I mean, you know, maybe they could have gone for one more touch and tried to just serve the ball into the box. I don't know. I'm not a coach. Um, all right. Uh, so anyway, um, pr- pretty much now let's talk about what's going to happen now with the United States, in which case they're going to face Jamaica uh, in the next uh, next match. Uh, that's Wednesday's game. Um, I'm excited about this because I always love seeing Andre Blake. But uh, for those of you guys who saw the Panama-Andre-Blake-Jamaica uh, matchup, um, Andre Blake was a little busier than, than I thought he was going to be against Panama. And there was this weird through ball scenario where he was caught in kind of no man's land and ha- essentially had to like mark outside of the box, like in the 42nd, it was like near the half, which could have ended really badly for Jamaica. Um, then he almost kind of had to like be cu- like mark the guy, like outside of the box. And then once he pushed the guy away, like get back into recovery position uh, to get set for a clean save on Abdiel Arroyo, uh, which was amazing. The, the fact that he was able to be that disciplined and concise with it and, and con- compact blew my mind because most guys would freak out once they're outside the 18 and, and sprint back to rush out. But he was like totally cool, calm, and collective about it. Yeah, no, it was weird. Like he came out for like a spread save. He made the spread save and then the, the, like it took a big, you know, took a big bounce outside the box. He like sprinted out with the forward and he almost got, it was like a Manuel Norris situation. 
I think it was recently against uh, was it Switzerland. It was like a man on a situation. The ball goes out, and he's, like, chasing the guy. And he's now he's like, you know what? I'm out of the box. I'm not going to slide tackles. If I do, it's going to be a foul. So he's, like, like basketball type, moving his feet, playing defense on this dude on t- outside the 18, slides for the ball. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like well, his lateral quickness is going to be better than a lot of the guys on the Lakers bench this year because <laughs> if they sign Kawhi Leonard, they are literally going to have no money left for anybody else, which means that it's going to be like just all minimum contracts on the bench. So, like, there's a good chance that like Andre Blake uh, might have the same amount of basketball skill, uh, you know. And I don't know if Andre Blake has ever played basketball before, but uh, but you know, um, it's. <laughs> I mean, this is not a basketball podcast, but by the way, NBA free agency is hilarious to me now because it's literally becoming like, Hey, um, you know how, like when you like do like clinics with like eight year olds and stuff like that. And you're like, all right, guys partner up. And like two dudes just bear hug each other. They're like, (laughs) and there's like, all right. And like, those are both guys are ballers. And you're like, you can't keep these two guys together. Like we need to separate them, but they don't want to separate each other. That's literally NBA free agency now. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's becoming kind of a, it's just becoming a friendly uh, free for all thing. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I mean, you don't really see that in soccer. I mean, look, we're com- going off completely on a tangent here, but it's like eleven o'clock at night, so our brains are a little fried right now. Um, and I think it's it's fun to talk about this. Maybe we'll do an NBA podcast one day. We need um, to. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover. I mean, I absolutely. see guys like Pogba, and I see you know those people who come on vacation. I think in Santa Monica Boulevard, playing basketball on Venice Beach in Venice Beach. You know, so I see there's a lot of crossover. But no, I, I see what you mean. But maybe they can sign Florentine Pogba for the Lakers. You know, because <laughs> I don't he doesn't get in a lot of playing time for Atlanta United. Maybe that would sell. That would sell jerseys. Oh my gosh. There, I mean, there, look, obviously there's got, look, Antoine Griezmann thinks he plays in the NBA. Carlos Vela thinks he plays in the NBA. So, you know, <laughs> they went viral. Yeah. But uh, no, back to this thing, Matt, I, I would say the biggest issue that I have right now is going to be not issue, but I think the biggest scare for the U S is that they're going to play against a team that they lost to in a friendly project of the gold cup. And Andre Blake is, is no joke. I mean, the guy's been overly consistent the last five, six years. Uh, number one pick in the MLS draft is goalkeeper of the year for Philadelphia Union. The Union are actually doing extremely well now, I think, with Bedoya and uh, I forget the guy's name up I top. I mean, they're in position for a supporter shield. I mean, like, they're in a re- yeah. they're doing really, really well this year. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I never thought, and I don't think anybody thought at the beginning of the year that Philadelphia Union were going to be one of the top teams in MLS. No, not after last year or – I mean, they had, a, they had a good run of form towards the end of the year last year, but just the last few years, they haven't really done too well. And he's kind of been able to kind of shine. I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, there's, a, there's teams that do really, really well and their goalkeepers don't have to do too much. And for some reason, and then there's FC Cincinnati. So oh, yeah, I was about to say, well, then some, some of those goal, goalkeepers, not that they're held at a lower standard, but they're not as talked about as the goalkeepers like an Andre Blake would. Uh, or like we talk about Memo Ochoa for his club team. We played for Granada when he played for Standard Liège. Now, like when he had those moments where his team's just getting peppered every single game and he's having to make these amazing saves. Remember when Brad Guzan played for Aston Villa? Aston oh, my Villa. God. I, I, dude, I think he literally faced as many shots as I did in uh, a seven-a-side game to yesterday. Like, <laughs> I think and that was just like a regular 11-a-side match in the Premier League for him. Dude, He, I think he faced more shots than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League that season. He had... I think the most saves of any goalkeeper in the English Premier League that year because he was yep. It's crazy. Then you see Julio Cesar when he was with QPR. And then you have, uh, I think it was also like, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, my God, Victor Valdez when he was with Middlesbrough. I think him and Gra- Brad Guzan shared the load on that. And it's just so funny to see that because you'll see people, even with Fabianski, for example, people are like, yo, why isn't Fabianski on your like top 10 list? My God, I think he's very good, and I mean, I, I I rate him very, very highly, especially for Poland too in the World Cup and the Euros. But at the same time, it's like he's getting so many more shots on goal that I, you know, I have to give him some love. But at the same time, too, these other goalkeepers who are playing on bigger teams, they're playing with more on the line than Fabianski is. So I'm going to give him more support. So it's, so it's just such a weird dynamic for me, at least too. Like I always flip flop. It's like, do I give this person more credit because they're making saves, but their team sucks and they're not winning? Or do I give this other guy who made limited saves, but his team's winning and they're actually going far in tournaments? It's weird. So that's why, I mean, like, I think with Andre Blake and Zach Steffen at this very moment in the Gold Cup, I think they're both playing. They're playing on teams, obviously, that are kind of dominant at the moment in CONCACAF. The U.S. has been. Jamaica's kind of be slowly becoming a power in the CONCACAF system. So I would say that at as of right now, I might go, I'm going to edge, give it the edge to the U.S., but I think Andre, make, Andre Blake makes it very difficult. 
I want to talk a little bit about the inswinger in the 65th against Panama that Eric Davis uh, put in that Andre Blake read right and came near the top of the 18 to hold on to. Um, that was crazy. That was insane because the thing is, is like, dude, do you realize that's one of those where like, you know, a coach goes like, Hey, if you come out, you better win it. Yep. Because dude, if he had gotten caught in no man's land there, he's done, but he was so fast off his line uh, there. And he read, he read it uh, just well enough. I mean, there wasn't a lot of air underneath that ball, so I was a little blown away. I mean, general consensus when I talk to my kids is always like, if the ball's in swinging, then you come for it. If the ball's out swinging, then you drop line, you know, for the most part uh, in, a, in, a, in a servicing situation like that. Uh, but that was so far away that I was like, oh my God, and he held on to it, which meant that he had every confidence in the world that he was going to get to that ball and, and, and win it clean. He snatched it off the guy's head, though. Like, I mean, you would have thought uh, that he would have boxed it two foot, two foot fisted, um, which is what I would have done because I'm four feet tall. Uh, and even Kaylor Navas or something, Memo Ochoa would have like, you know, karate chopped it or you know, I don't know, like that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> he would no, have I done something you, though, but interesting. It was, it was, it, it was. I think if you know most most goalkeeper coaches, they'd probably have to eat their words because you, you in the moment you're like, you, it, what are you doing? Why are you coming for that? Oh, okay. Like, I yeah. think that was uh, that was the consensus, I think, from any goalkeeper coach around the world. When you rewatch that, you're just like, what the hell? Yeah, it scares me because, like, I feel like my kids are going to see that and they're going to be like, see, he can That's do it. I'm like, yeah, dude. Um if you're MLS or MLS goalkeeper of the year, sure, go ahead. But that's what go. we talked about with Phil Wedden, the piece we just released, which was on uh, on Monday, which you guys will hear it tomorrow, which was yesterday now. Uh, if you guys hear our piece with Phil Wedden, we're talking about how it's super important that young goalkeepers, they watch these uh, professional players every single weekend because they can pick off little things about their game. But what Phil says is that essentially, yes, that's good, but remember, watch it with context. Understand that a lot of these goalkeepers are making emergency-type emergency saves. And I wouldn't say this is an emergency – uh, emergency type save by Andre Blake but it is a situation where he did get very lucky and it was more luck than skill so I think it's good to watch these goalkeepers do it but at the same time to remember everybody has different attributes and different things they can kind of get away with and with him he can cover 18 yards in, in, a, in a matter of probably three seconds when probably for me it would probably take me five six seconds so I think well I mean you already talked about on the podcast you know I think it was last week about how heavy set you were as a child and you couldn't move and all that stuff <laughs> I think you've yeah. slimmed down a little bit since then. Um, I do want to say that, like, I can't even imagine what it was like for, like, the dudes who were, like, when, like, Andre Blake's like, keeper, and it comes off for that ball. They probably were, like, literally, like, I think I heard keeper, but there's no way. There's no – oh, oh, he's That's here. coming from too far. <laughs> he's, here. he's here. Here's my thing about that. And, and again, I don't want to – I don't want to I'm, – I'm one of those people, and I, I've been learning as I've gotten older as a goalkeeper coach to, to not – never criticize a save, never criticize a good player or anything like that. But what was the danger of holding line for that? For that, there was was that ball really dangerous? Was that no, really not, a dangerous ball? Not at all. I mean, worst worst all. case scenario that that, that ball's guy, cleared. That ball, yeah, the ball's cleared. It's headed towards you, or it's a perfect knockdown to somebody. But even at that point, there has to be so many things that go right. Yeah, I mean, there was more worse stuff that could happen. I think it's one of those things. It's like another thing too. And I, again, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I, you see a lot of this nowadays is you see kids and Zach Steffen's done this and, and other guys and Alyssa Nayer did it actually recently for the U S is the bowl down the middle. And uh, the risk, the risk of that is probably a goal. So you better be confident that there's no pressure. There's no press coming to that player and that they're going to be confident with the ball and that they already know where their options are. Um, because if you play that ball to them and their back is turned to you, you are in a very bad position. You got to make sure that that player is checking to you first before you play that ball down the middle. What are you talking about? You're talking about a pass back? I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about a bowl. I'm talking about in your hands, bowl down the middle, straight to the player. And I'm seeing oh. a lot of that. I thought you were talking, middle, about, into uh, space. talking about Andre Blake. I thought we were talking about Andre Blake coming out for the ball. No, no, well, we were talking about that, oh, but okay. now I was just talking about decision-making and judgment and, oh, okay, and risk gotcha. versus reward type of a thing. Yes. We're all over the place tonight. It's like, a <laughs> like, what do you want? Um, but we can talk more about that. when we can talk about the women's world cup because there are some situations like that. Yes. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the teams that whoever wins between Jamaica and the United States may end up facing. And that's uh that's Haiti. Congrats to Haiti. I, man, I mean, to come back from, from that, uh, I think they were down two nil to Canada and then they ended up winning three, two insane. Yeah. Um, 
Johnny Placide, uh, which I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. He had some nice moments against Canada. He had some good decisions, especially the parry on, on, on David Jr. Holiet. Um, but uh, by the way, is there something that like every I, – I, I knew this. There's always dudes on the Haitian national team that like played at like Le Havre or like some like League Two uh, club or like lower division League One uh, team and then, and then ended up at like Oldham Boys. You know, like, what is it about Oldham that has, like, all these Caribbean players for some reason? They're, like, I think fourth division in England. And, like, their team is, like, comprised of, like, every CONCACAF uh, player, apparently. Oh, geez. I don't know that. You know, it's just cra- it's just crazy. It's just funny because, like, Curacao had some Oldham guys, you know. So, I think it's just a, they have a have common scout connection in, in the Caribbean. Um, so, anyway, so we got we got Placide. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I think, I think uh, Mexico is going to win that game. And, and I think they're going to win it fairly easily to be honest with you um so let's talk about memo ochoa and that costa rica mexico game because uh i, I unless you want anything you want to add to about placid uh no i think he did well but i mean i was just talking about uh borjan and uh in canada i mean they shot themselves in the foot they were up two nil and i think that's just a quick reminder for a lot of young goalkeepers that even when you're up two nil you have to be locked in stay not even motivated but just stay in the game and the, there was a situation where it was a pass back and Borjan was almost like checking back towards his line. And the, I think his defender thought he was checking towards the ball. So he hit like a 50-50 ball that he could have you know, either came out for or stayed on his line. He decided to come out for it and he tried to beat the defender, beat the forward with like a just kind of a locked tackle. And the, the forward took it away from him, tapped it in from like three yards out. I thought right there, just better communication. Maybe he could have just cleared the ball. Uh, look to see another day tap situation, but now you the momentum completely switches, and now it's two one, and then they give a PK like five minutes later, and then they get a PK, so it's two two, and then Haiti ends up scoring, winning winning at three two. So it was yeah. just it was just a reminder to every young goalkeeper that you are you know some unlucky stuff will happen when you're up two zero, but you have to remember stay locked in, stay completely just cognizant of the situation, and remember that one goal either way will completely flip the flip the switch and flip the flip the narrative, and that's what we saw with Trinidad. You know, I think Zach Stefan had two or three saves when uh, the U.S. was up two to zero, and uh, after those saves, they were able to build off that momentum and they ended up winning six 0 So it's just again a reminder, and I think done uh, to harp on Borjan, but it was an unfortunate situation and unfortunate and an unfortunate sequence of events. You know, by the way, did you know that Zach Stefan had the most saves uh, so far in? in the gold cup for, for him uh, in this past game against Curacao yet his positioning was so good and he was so clean with the ball that they were, they all looked routine. So he is, that's what I'm saying. He's good. He, him and I think I, I love him and Andre Blake. I wouldn't say like they're the same type goalkeeper, but in terms of the technique, they have clean technique. They're incredible shot stoppers, more natural than I think most goalkeepers in the world. Cause their uh, their athleticism, but their technique is also great. They, they hold the ball more often than you would think. I think Zach Steffen does a fantastic job. And I think any level nowadays, I mean, I was even surprised. I didn't see Alyssa Nair challenged much in the World Cup. And then when she was and she was making these clean handling saves, I think I told you, I told somebody like, dude, she's on the national team. Of course, she's going to have beautiful technique. I'm like, yeah, you forget that because they don't get a lot of action. But when they do, it's a quick reminder that uh, even at that level, you have to be very sound. No, I mean, we'll talk about Alyssa Nair in a second. But uh, by the I mean, we'll talk about all the negative criticism. Just, I mean, I just try to put some positive stuff out there about Alyssa Nair, and people just bash her. I was like, I saw that, dude. I I was like, are you kidding? I was like, come on. Like, let's focus on the positives. Let's not focus on the negatives. You had bad timing because you – you made a comment about her coming out for a cross or doing well on a cross. And like two minutes later, she did terrible on a cross. And I think people were probably misconstruing the timing of your, of your text, uh, of, your t- of your tweets there. Well, you know, it's difficult to do it in real time, you know, <laughs> as, it's, uh, as you're watching uh, the game. So I right, let's talk about Memo. From Ochoa. Yeah. From Ochoa. Yeah. Dude. So let's talk about St. Ochoa um, because he pulls the traditional memo Ochoa in that Costa Rica match, by the way, not a lot of stuff happened until late in the game. Um, it was, everything was extra time, essentially, um, yep. which was a little crazy. Um, but the save on Joel Campbell, um, I, I, I'm going to say something that you've probably never heard before. Memo Ochoa looked technically so clean on that save on Joel Campbell. And even in the second one, when he spilled the shot, he got up and his positioning on recovery was so good that he was able to stop the shot from McDonald. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, that there are some saves. I think you can attest this, Mike, and even some of my goalkeepers. Like, when you know you're going to give up a rebound and you're, you're able to kind of parry it in a situation that you can get back up, I think that was 
what I was most impressed with. And like you said, I mean, this guy just continuously surprises us, whether it's randomly he'll have great technique. Against Canada, he had like that, uh, we call it the Jesus Cristo, and you just go on like. <laughs> oh, yeah, you go on your knees and you just throw your hands. Yeah. Just, yeah, you just kind of pray to the guys that you hopefully you make the save. I think he did that against Canada, and you're like, oh, my God, this dude is just will make a save by any means necessary. And like you said, don't, you know, don't ever – I'll never talk bad about a save, but sometimes he'll make things. He makes your makes your head sick. What the heck is he doing? And then you see him against uh, against Costa Rica this weekend, and you're just like, wow, okay, this guy actually has some really good fundamentals and really good technique in there that he uh, will will kind of pull off every once in a while. But I mean, I posted a, a uh, Instagram post on my my channel a few days ago talking about is he the most underrated or is he one of the best goal, international goalkeepers of his generation? And I think most people agreed with me. Some people obviously threw out Casillas, which I completely forgot about. Please forgive me to everybody who is a follower of goalkeeping. Completely forgot about that. But uh, but yeah. Shout I out think- to all the 15-year-old uh, uh, legendary goalkeeper coaches out there. Uh, that was my favorite thing is Justin oh, Bryant, uh, Goalkeepers Union. Um, today on the post, how, uh, you know, how every, every 15-year-old <laughs> – uh, has uh, has a comment about every professional goalkeeper on Instagram. Man, I mean, even <laughs> I posted for context, guys. I posted a drill, and this guy commented on the on the drill, saying that uh, the goalkeeper I was working with wasn't in a positive shape, didn't do this, didn't do that, and it wasn't even like a, I'm critiquing to you know just kind of get feedback. It was more of like nope. no to prove how much I'm they gonna, know. Exactly. This is what I'm gonna say. I don't really care if you give me feedback. You're not going to prove me wrong, and I'm not. You're not going to prove me uh, to you know to bring me to your side. So I was just kind of like, all right, there's going to be people like that. You don't ignore them. You just kind of give them a little. You give them a like here, you give them a like there, and they kind of just go, okay. <laughs> That's like the people that like watch like the Chris Rock Netflix special, and then like they comment like, callback was a little weak. Like, dude, <laughs> are you serious? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, everybody, you know, everybody will always have something to say. So you just gotta fill them with kindness. It's absolutely unreal. Um, and then now, so obviously then we went to PKs and uh, thank God at least there's been an action in uh, the gold cup because honestly, Copa America was a little boring this weekend. Um, and by boring, I mean, very boring this weekend. Um, yes. Unfortunately, every single right. game went to was zero, zero and went to penalties basically. Except for the Argentina event as well, a game. So that's like the only, the only one I feel uh, bad I don't want for. to talk about that. That was a curse of us. You I know. know. I, mean, I know, man. Wilker Farinas, we're sorry. I actually, I, we posted that video and then probably, I would say probably like 15 minutes after I had posted it, somebody messaged me like, oh, you guys cursed him. I'm like, what happened? And I rewatched it and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, we'll that was to do a, with that spill. Oh. It, yeah, well, we'll have to do – I think we have to do a breakdown of that. He drops his knee and, and it like it's like one of those guys, one, if everyone listening, it's like one of those scoops that you are always told. It's my goalkeeper always told me – coach always told me, don't drop the knee because if you drop the knee straight to the ground and keep it there, if that ball takes an awkward bounce or, you know, moves in the air, you're, you're screwed. You're pretty much stuck into the ground, and that's what happened with Wilker Farinas. He got a shot. He stuck his knee, defaulted it straight into the ground. The ball moved in the air, and unfortunately, his hands and his knees were stuck in one place, and he couldn't adjust, and uh, they got to tap in from two yards out. So I'm sorry. We're, we're very sorry, Wilker. And if you're a listener, which I doubt it, but if you are, lo siento, amigo. Well, you know, you're better off, and, and a lot of guys are doing this now in the smother as opposed to going uh, for a, a full smother is there rather than – and Ter Stegen does this is, – is rather than dropping the knee all the way directly in contact, they're kind of turning the knee – and kind of creating a pocket of space where they can contain the ball. Uh, so there is no sort of spill, but yet they still have that, that movement to be able to, to react if the ball does, uh, does, does come out. Just reminds me of game of Thrones, Mike, bend the knee. I just keep thinking about that. And it's just, uh, that's what it is. That's what, I, that's what my goalkeeper, goalkeeper go just always tell me is just bend it a little bit, but at the same time to keep yourself athletic because just in case. So you're saying that Jon Snow should not have bent the knee entirely to Daenerys. <laughs> she should have, he should have just kind of turned it slightly into a, <laughs> into a front smother situation. Is that what, it, that what you're saying? I think and so. And then he would have been okay because then he'd never bent the knee. And then you know, <laughs> none of that would have happened. Sansa wouldn't have had the issues with her and all that stuff. Wow. We are, <laughs> we are nerding out Game Thrones style and we might be giving away some spoilers. So yeah, if you're a listener, make sure you guys dip out before, <laughs> before, you hear the spoilers spoiler alert do you guys anybody else want to talk about avengers endgame uh while we're on the podcast no (laughs) actually Uh, i I think it's been long enough now that on both game of thrones and avengers that i think we're good uh spider-man comes out tomorrow uh far from home i'm excited about that 
I, I yeah, I'm, I'm uh, I watched uh, we can get some movie stuff later, but no, dude, but we do have to come up with the fact that it's like I did, I was very proud of myself this weekend when I when I put out on my personal page. I didn't want to do this in the goalkeeper page because I don't want to be offensive on there. Uh, but I did say that uh, the Curacao national flag looks like a fictional country in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like it doesn't look real, it looks like somebody came up with it in like a graphics department, and they're like, Yeah, this looks like a country, sure. Jeez, even their national anthem sounded a little bit like uh, I think like the U.S. national anthem a little bit, just kind of like the beat, but it's all good. Um, all right, so let's talk about the PK save on Keisher Fuller um, by uh, by Ochoa. Um, look again, don't want to criticize a PK save. Fantastic, it's not a well placed ball. The height wise, you expect a keeper, uh, you know, to 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 get a good shot at that if. Dude, honestly, if they play a ball like that at, at that kind of height at me, I'm like, ooh, you know, as I'm going for the ball because uh, I'm not quick enough to be able to just react. I have to obviously start pushing off that direction anyway because uh, I'm not the athlete that Memo Ochoa is. Uh, but I get excited. I'm like, oh, I actually have a chance about this. And then it ends up going in the net anyway because of the pace. But still, uh, I feel like I have a chance. Um, it still had a lot of pace on it. Obviously, he had to explode. And honestly, from a, a nerve standpoint, the dude has just got ice water in his veins. He just always is up to the big moment. You could tell how excited he was, too, after he made that save. He, like, got on his knees, was screaming, was yelling. And it's always kind of like that awkward situation in the, in the Gold Cup where you kind of start celebrating like crazy. And then you just kind of like, wait, does this celebration really... Like, is this worth it for this Gold Cup? Because you just never know, you know what I mean? It's just it's a, one of those tournaments where until you get to the final, you don't really, you don't have that emotion because you're playing against weaker teams. But he let it all out. The team sprinted after him. And I think, I mean, it was just funny to see that no one got called back for a PK. So I think that was finally a lot of people are, are settling into the new rule. And, uh, yeah, nobody figuring, at Copa either. Yeah, exactly. So now I think uh, just it's exciting to see because I think it kind of ruined the game for like two weeks. Unfortunately, the Women's World Cup had to be the kind of not the brunt of the joke, but no, they were the guinea pig. And it's really unfair. I mean, that's yeah. that's another example of FIFA not treating the women's game with respect. And I mean, look, I don't want to go off on a rant here, you know, about equality, but it, it is, you know, that was uh, a weird move by them. Like, I definitely weird such a weird timing to do that. And I think it was, you're right though. It was a guinea pig situation, but I'm just happy that at least Ochoa and uh, his celebrations weren't uh, called back because of him stepping too early. I think he, he mastered it. And that was the beauty of it. I think he stepped forward. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when you step forward and attack the, the wrong ball line, you have to dive backwards, which made this save even that much better. I think he was able to keep one foot on the line, but he stepped forward and that shot forced him to kind of reach back uh, towards the goal for that. Uh, it was luckily it was at a good height, like you said, beautiful tip out and I thought I just thought the celebration I thought everything about his passion and did you see his quote before the World Cup or before the Gold Cup uh I did not see it I did not see it so I'm not a well-researched uh goalkeeper journalist no nah, it was just a one of our it was a, one of those like Bleacher Report uh posts but he was pretty much talking about how his like baby was just born and he hasn't been able to see his baby because of the Gold Cup preparation and because of obviously him being uh you know running all Mexico and then his club uh, his club stuff too, and just he saying plays how. Plays for a soccer club? I thought he just played for a national team. I thought like he should just <laughs> with his exactly with his with his uh, reputation. It sounds like he just comes out for. Where's this at? Standard Liege? Is that where he is? Standard Liege, yeah, that's where he's at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he pretty much said that that he was talking about how the sacrifice you have to make as a professional footballer, and it just seemed to to me that not that he was going to retire, but. He just wanted to allude to how hard it is for him not to see his family. So for me, it felt I felt really, really happy for him to to see him that happy and to make that kind of a save. And we all know he is he is as we say with Saint Iker, he is uh, Saint Ochoa, and he is the savior for Mexico, which uh, really puts a lot of pride into um, my Mexican side. You know, what's funny is I actually rushed the beginning intro of everything with the rate review and subscribing because I was like, oh, you know, we want to keep this short, nice and tight. And we've still been going for a while <laughs> uh, and we still got more to go. We'll go um, Women's so, World Cup. Let's do it. So let's do Women's World Cup. But real quick before we do that, Omar, uh, Mexico, U.S. in the final. Uh, I think so. I think if Andre Blake doesn't have a blinder of a game, I think they're going to he's going to I mean, he's going to give us a run for our money. And I think with the past few games that Jamaica's played against the U.S., they're going to come in with confidence. Um, and I don't think the U.S. has been too convincing as of late. But if we play against uh, equal 
I guess in terms of equal talent and equal uh, uh, momentum kind of a team, I think will rise to the occasion. I like Tyler Blo- uh, Bloyd. I like Tyler Boyd. I like how Zach Steffen's playing. I like Pulisic. Uh, Z- Zardes is doing all right. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see. I think, I think the U.S. versus Mexico. I mean, Tyler Boyd was a little rough. I, I felt kind of bad for him. I felt like he might have logged a lot of minutes in this gold cup. And I think it started affecting him uh, in the past game in regards to why well, I guess he did have the Panama game off. So, okay. So there's no excuse. Never mind. <laughs> um, although uh, I, I think that it's going to be a two to one in extra time. I think honestly, it's going to be, it's going to go into extra time. And I think the U S is going to get a goal late in, in extra time when they finally break uh, Jamaica down. Um, all right, let's get into the women's world cup here. Speaking of the United States, big matchup, by the way, did FIFA rig this to happen? I mean, literally a few hours before the 4th of July, the United States plays England for the chance to go to the World Cup final. Isn't that crazy? That is pretty crazy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you ever think about it that from that standpoint? I mean, that is kind of crazy. I mean, and you got like, you know, you, you got, you know, your Benedict Arnold, you know, uh, Karen Bardsley. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in the world and Alyssa Nair. So it's going to be a phenomenal game. Um so first off, let's preview uh, Karen Bardsley. Um, you know, not a lot she had to do in the Norway game, but uh, but she came up when she had to. There was another weird play similar to Andre Blake's situation. And Sarah Buhati had a, something like this happen to her well, too, where she came out on, on, on Lisa Marie Udland. Um, she came out, but she doesn't – she kind of doesn't get back, but then she's quick to recover. I think it was a bad pass It was back. a bad pass back, exactly. So it was like a hospital ball. Um, and then she was able to get back and reposition herself so that there was no angle because then they tried to take a shot again, um, and she had everything completely covered. So for a, for a larger goalkeeper, and by that I mean you know higher, you know taller goalkeeper, she's able to move her feet pretty well and get back in position quickly. Uh, she is, I think. Well, in that situation, unfortunately, I think we that happened twice against once against Cameroon and then once against Norway. They give her these weak, like you said, hospital balls, and she's having to deal with them. It's one of those ones where it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Do I come out or do I stay on my line? And she came out for this one, and unfortunately, the forward got around her, didn't take her down, luckily, because it could have easily been a red. Uh, they dribbled around her, and then uh, you said she was able to recover, but uh, luckily, it stayed off, stayed off a line. So. I think if uh, if I mean England hasn't really had too much trouble, they've really balled out the last two games, six nil aggregate. So I think they're doing extremely well. And Karen Barsley, she had like two or three saves, like big big time saves against Norway when it was th- when they were up three zero. So like I think she those results, unfortunately, those saves kind of get swept under the rug because it's such a high uh, scoring game and in favor for England. But like you said, Mike, she's so good at moving her feet for being as big, as tall as she is. And I think I, I have it here in my notes. If she plays as well as she's been playing. I think she has an Endler-type situation where, like, yeah, like against Chile, we only scored three goals, but it should have been, like, 8-0 if it wasn't for uh, for Endler uh, and goal for Chile. I think if Bardsley plays as well as she has been playing, she will um, stand on her head and uh, give England a really good chance to stay in the game. And you never know. That's what happened against Japan a few years ago where the U.S. just didn't seal the win early enough, and Japan was able to uh, was able to knock off the U.S. I think it was in the final. So, We'll see what happens. I'm excited to see her play, though. She's definitely one of the, the big talking points in terms of goalkeepers in the World Cup. I, I want to talk about – you were talking about some unreal saves uh, in that game. Uh, again, few, but but they were fen- phenomenal. There was an unreal save on a through ball from uh, Vilda Riza to, uh, to Isabel uh, Herlofsson um, where she stayed big and got low. Um, and I think this was kind of near the end of the game. I think it was might have been like the 89th minute. It was, it was later on in the game, 83rd minute. Um, so obviously the game was kind of already out of reach uh, for, for Norway, but still she stayed big, got low, which again, as a taller keeper, I mean, she's almost six feet tall uh, for her, her to be able to stay big and then be able to drop that shoulder and get low so quickly uh, to push that ball wide and not give up a rebound into the danger zone was just phenomenal. That was world, a world-class save in my opinion. It was. Yeah, it was. I think you were hit it right on the head. I think she's just uh in terms of experience and in terms of just, I mean, she's a little bit older too. I think she's like, what, 31 now, 32? So I think in terms of experience, she... I think. Oh, shoot, okay. Okay, well, anyways, she's a little older, and I think she knows how to use her body now, and she has that experience and that just kind of uh, just wise attitude towards the, her, her positioning. I think she sits a little bit lower than she would normally would, uh, probably in her early, year, early years in the professional career. And uh, by sitting a little bit lower, it gives her a chance to get low and drive that hand out, and she pushed that ball out of, out of danger. And I think, uh, like I said, it's going to be huge 
uh, it's going to be huge for England. And I think she's the biggest piece to the team moving forward. And for those of you guys who don't remember this play, it was directly down the middle. It was a really good through ball, but she covered ground and came off her line very quickly. And she didn't go too far ahead. Uh, she gave just enough space to, to hold, hold position to cover to be able to get set for that shot. If she had taken one, one or two more steps, she would have gotten caught and probably the ball would have been slid underneath her. So, I mean, just really, really world-class goalkeeping. Um, another thing too about Karen Bardsley is like, you know, I, a lot of people say Carly Telford is better with her feet. Um, I think she's very good with her feet and I think she scans the field. Well, um, I think she, she looks for her best, best options. I think that, you know, she plays a little direct sometimes. So I think that's more Phil Neville style. I think he plays a little bit more direct than, you know, let's say, you know, Jill Ellis does uh, with, with the U S and, and I, I'm, I, I, th- I can't really can't complain on that side. Uh, let, let's talk about Alyssa Nair um, because we were talking about some of the negatives, negative ma- mentions that were being made before. Let's try to focus on some of the positives. Um, I, to be honest with you, she's impressed to me in, in ways that I didn't expect. And I think a lot of it is just the fact is like, I need to watch more Chicago red stars and see kind of those plays. Um, because, uh, she was kind of proving me wrong. Um, she had some solid, solid, and some people are going to say, oh, well that, you know, that, that back post header by Lissa Mayer, there's not, not a lot of a pace on that, on that ball. Uh, but she got her feet across and she even held onto the ball on, on that cross. And then the, the shot in traffic by Lissa Mayer, I mean, she had an obstructed view and she still tipped it over, uh, with confidence. So I, I don't care what the negative people are saying. That's still good goalkeeping in my opinion. I'm going to have to be one of those negative people here. Okay. And it's not even, it's not even uh, to, to, you know, to disagree with you on like that, but I think because we're such big fans of the U S and because I think we're just we're such biased, but bi- not even biased, but like goalkeeping specific wise, like, cause we have a goalkeeping podcast, everything we do is goalkeeping. So we're always going to be fishing for the good things in, in, in goalkeepers most of the time. And I think with listen there, because there's been a lot of detra- not detractors, but a lot of people who have said negative things about her, I think you may be getting caught in the moment and maybe like looking for all the little good things that she's done and really like overhyping them because any other goalkeeper, Mike or Buhati makes those saves. I guarantee you, what do you see? I think, I feel like you would say easy routine, but because it's a listen or we're like trying to fish for her. And we're well, it's, to- like the, it's just the three shots she's faced. In the <laughs> I know exactly. That's why I'm just like, we're really trying to give her, uh, you know, we're really trying to give her a little bit more credit than she deserves. But again, I think for most goalkeepers, the saves that she had the tip over was pretty straightforward. She didn't even fall to the ground, like just kind of, cause she's a little, she's like five, nine, five, ten. So just kind of stood up on her toes, tipped it over the bar. The other one was kind of one of those shots that was in between a, a easy collapse dive or kind of moving your feet and pick it up. And she kind of took it to, to the ground in an awkward collapse dive. So in those she, two are, her hands were clean, you know, you they give were, that. They were. I'll give, I'll give her okay. that, but do you want, do you want me to be a little negative here? And I'll be a little negative. Here's my issue with Alyssa Nayer. I feel she gets caught on floated balls on, uh, because yes. when a ball has a lot of air underneath the ball, I feel she misreads the ball. The more time she has to set herself to come out for a cross, I feel she gets caught. And I think one of the reasons is, is her starting her starting shape. I feel like she has a tendency to be a little too forward, which means immediately when she comes out for a ball, she's already in a positive position in front of the flight of the ball. So any sort of ball that's bending inside, not an outswinging ball, but an in-swinging ball, she has a tendency to overrun the ball and get caught and kind of caught flat footed and overrunning the ball. And then if the ball has a lot of air on it, she gets, can get caught with being, being in front of it when the ball's already to the side of her. Yes. And I think uh, we saw it against France and a lot of this, uh, a lot of Francis. Still come on the podcast. Well, a lot of, no, a lot of uh, Francis chances were, were at the end of the day, they look like half chances, but with those half, with those half chances, she still was caught in no man's land, kind of running out of the goal. Like you said, taking that first step without really seeing where the ball is going to go. And then when that trajectory of the ball starts, you know, elevating, you're already way too forward and way too positive that that far post ball, you're going to be literally falling backwards, trying to get to it. And it looked like that a few times she was caught in no man's land, just kind of falling over her feet. But because France didn't get a legitimate shot on goal or a legitimate header on target, uh, it didn't necessarily look like it was her fault because nothing really came of it. But as goalkeeping uh, people and as, as probably some of the, uh, some of the announcers were saying was just like, okay, what is she doing? She's scrambling a little too much. And that's a little bit worrisome. I mean, let's just say the U S beats England and you get it. We go up against uh, Sweden. Let's say Sweden wins their game as well. And they get to the final Sweden's last two games are, uh, excuse me, against Netherlands. Been one Netherlands. On set. Yeah. 
yeah, all set pieces and all headers against the Netherlands. So, I mean, it's just, it is worrisome. And I think that's why I was making like a little bit, kind of disagreeing with you at the beginning because like we are fishing for the good things because she has one chance. talking about against Germany. Huh? You mean against Germany? Uh, You're talking about, uh, no, I'm sorry. I was talking about Netherlands when they played against Italy. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and I think I think I have a feeling the Netherlands will beat Sweden, and I gotcha. think the U.S. gets to the final. We'll play Netherlands. The Netherlands has you know just they had two beautiful goals off headers this weekend from uh, from services outside the oh, box. Those were unreal. Those were unreal. unreal. Beautifully guided into the goal, and I think if that becomes the focal point in terms of their attack and any team's attack, I feel like even Phil Neville's probably saying just serve the ball into the air, make the goalkeeper make an air, make a decision. Because when she's forced into making a decision, as we've seen those 50-50 balls, even against Chile, remember that ball that got uh, that uh, they played through, and it was like a 50-50 challenge, and mm-hmm. the uh, the forward was called offside, but she stuck her leg out, and and, and Nair kind of reacted to more of the touch, and the ball just went straight through. I don't know if you remember that play, but it was the only no. goal that Chile scored. Got no, called. I do, I do remember that. Now it's called offside. Yeah, and it's it's just you know I think that's the my my primary concern is that if we play a team or we play a coach who's smart. They're going to play that ball up in the air and make Nair make a decision. And like you said, sometimes she takes that first step before even knowing where the ball's going. And uh, it could be troublesome for us. But, again, it's 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 kind of like the psychology, as uh, Dan Abrahams once said. It was like a lot of the coaches are stuck in this idea that it's always a technical issue when sometimes it could be a psychological issue. And I would say it could be a psychological issue because we've put so much pressure on her to, to live up to Hope Solo, which unfortunately no one will ever do. But she with so much, you know, in, in, in kind of in her head, I feel, as kind of, you know, people who are in the media. And I think she's kind of chasing the game a little bit too much versus letting it come to her and letting it come naturally. So I think that could be a little bit, you know, problematic. But she's mature. She's older. She's been around the block for a long time now. And I think uh, I think she will be, I hope, God willing, she'll be sharp today. Uh, all right. What are you expecting, England? I, I'm saying 2-0 U.S. Uh, I would agree. So I think the U.S. is just re- ridiculously, <laughs> ridiculously in shape. Maybe, maybe one of the best teams I've ever seen. It's oh my God, dude! We're, we have Mal Pugh, we have Carly Lloyd, we have Kristen Press all on the bench. I know. And we had, what's the name? Uh, Horan, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Horan, right? She didn't even start. Yeah, yeah she's Lindsay Horan's unreal. Yeah. Lindsay so, uh, I mean, my gosh. Uh, but uh, did you did, guys? Did you? By the way, did you see? Was it? Was it Julie Ertz? Who was caught uh, at the end of the game, kind of saying like you get you gave it your best. I think it was, I forgot who it was too. It was it was either Henri or Majri. Like it was somebody, uh, and like the Cooligans were like that's the gulliest comment after a game against like arguably the second best team in the world that you can possibly make. Like you gave it your best or something like that. I know, dude. Oh, my gosh, uh, we have swagger for sure. We definitely got lucky. They didn't call that PK. Could have easily been a PK on the handball. Yeah. All right, so let let's move on to uh, to Netherlands uh, to the Netherlands Sweden uh, preview because uh, you know it is obviously getting late here and we do want to go to bed at a reasonable hour so we can watch all these games tomorrow and still get our training sessions in and still edit this and get it out there <laughs> to all you lovely people. Um, so uh, real quick, I want to say you know um, sorry, Vanendal didn't have that much to do uh, against Italy. Uh, Italy didn't really. Uh, I mean, I expect a lot more from Italy in that game, to be honest with you. Um, I, yeah. But, you know, she did come off strong in the 82nd on a dribble from the right side from Daniela Sabatino. Um, my only concern with that about about Vinandal, Vinandal in that situation is she seemed to expose her near post and come a little higher than I would have wanted to. But because she came out so aggressive, it was like Sabatino was so thrown off. She just reacted and, and played the ball right at, at Vinandal. It's those emergency type saves. Sometimes you just get put in situations where you, by any means necessary, you make a save. And I think she did that. And um, she's an experienced goalkeeper, so I'm not too worried. But I think if she watches the film, she will be a little bit disappointed with herself. Um, she did stay solid on the one cross that was played in where she was challenged from close range. Um, I think it might have been like the 27th um, from Seriola to uh, Giatini, uh, Giannini. I, I, I'm bad at these names. It's okay. That wasn't too bad. Giacniti. It's Italian. Giacniti. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Janidi, um, my editing a lot, a lot harder. <laughs> anyway, Janidi's literally right on her. So, uh, like the fact that she had that confidence to just kind of just kind of like Andre Blake and just grab that ball right off her head, clean, and and not try to box that out. Um, I mean that's pretty darn impressive, and, and that just shows just poise and confidence. And if look, if the Netherlands is going to end up facing the United States uh, in the final, I mean they're obviously going to need that. I don't want to say the United States is going to make the final, but you know you get what I'm saying. Um, I do, yes. 
you know, and let, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit about a, a, a Lindahl. Um, really only the, by the way, Germany was disappointing in my opinion. How about you? Uh, yeah, I definitely felt like, I mean, shout out to Alma Schultz though. She killed it. She always does though. She did. But I also want to talk about her goal. And I think I will do a breakdown on my channel, but it was one of those situations kind of like a David De Gea this season where it was a through ball for Sweden. And I think Jakobsen was on a one-on-one and it was probably like seven or eight yards. And she you had talking about the first, are you talking about the first goal? The first goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she had an idea that she was going to try and slot her far post. Um, but she already stuck her leg out. Like as the shot was coming, she just stuck her leg out. The shot went underneath her leg. And I'm arguing that if she would have kind of realized or recognized the distance between the shot or like seven or eight yards, I'd still activate my hands in that situation. You don't go um, into a spread unless it's three yards or less. Exactly. And that's, that's what we talk about with saves. And then again, talk about Phil Wedding. When you watch these games, watch it with a grain of salt, understanding um, the good and the bad. Obviously, the goalkeeper made a mistake. I felt like she did. I felt like, you know, if she would have made that, that's the weird part about goalkeeping, right? Or any any play in any sport, really. It's kind of like the fine margins. In my head, if she probably makes that save, I'm just like, oh, okay, that's a new technique or, uh, you know, a different way that maybe a De Gea would probably stick his leg out and make a save. So props to her for making that save. But because she didn't, I'm going to have to criticize the fact that it was seven to eight yards away. And I thought maybe she could have easily swept the leg a little bit sweep the leg and then stick that arm out and slide the, the bottom hand out uh, to push that ball away. But instead she sticks, sticks the legs out, ball goes underneath her and it kind of looks like it was preventable. Um, but anyways, that was, yeah, that was my only concern about that. But then Lindahl, I thought did okay. She kind of reminded me a little bit of Alyssa Nayer. She was caught in no man's land a few times, uh, especially towards the end of the game. There was a cross that came in um, classic case of running into your own defender and her, her arm kind of just got, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the punching arm got stopped midway. And luckily at the far post, there was somebody there, but they headed it out of bounds. So um, I think she's going to have a lot of trouble in terms of the confidence aspect with that. Hopefully she kind of rebounds from that because Netherlands is a team that, like I said, they had two goals that were top, top class headers. And if you're going to have a goalkeeper that's going to be coming out kind of like a listen there and no man's land and flapping at the ball and, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, make that make the best out of situation where you're already stuck in and flapping at the ball. I think that uh, could be a worry uh, for the uh, for the Swedish team. I will say, though, I was very impressed with the fact that she was able to, in the 92nd, Sarah Debritz, uh had a shot on target that she had an obstructed view, but she held the ball clean. A lot of keepers in obstructed view situations don't hold the ball clean. They panic. And because they see the ball late, they just push the ball away and try to parry it. And she she recognized that the ball was bending, that, that it was hit and it was going inside as opposed to go, breaking away from her, and she held the ball clean. So, I mean, that kind of stuff – it makes a big, big difference when you're talking about if you go up against a team like the Netherlands, for instance, who is going to be pouncing on that second ball. Yep. I mean, they're not the uh, champions of Europe for nothing. So I think yep. that's the, like you said, that's the, those are the fine margins. I mean, we, I could even just kind of, kind of sort of compare that to the Oliver Kahn situation against uh, Rivaldo back in the day. He uh, gave up that rebound against Rivaldo. Ronaldo was there to tap it in the World Cup final. So I think that's just a fine margin of being able to move your feet clean and uh, catching the ball on the move. And I think at that next level and to beat a team like the U.S. or to beat a team like the Netherlands, you have to be able to do that. Uh, I, I, I'm expecting a Netherlands-United States final, to be honest with you. I think at the beginning of the tournament, you were one of the people that did say that. So I, I would definitely uh, would say that you are consistent. Oh, yeah, we have to have Jill back on to do uh, which predictions worked and which predictions didn't work uh, <laughs> after the tournament's over. We'll have to, we'll have, to have uh, her on to, to do that. Um, all right, guys, it's almost 11 o'clock here, uh, so we're probably going to start wrapping this up. We totally forgot to talk about the fact that the Roughneck Scarves are in. Uh, so yes. if, you're, you're, if you're listening this far into the podcast, what's up, Chava? What's up, Dylan? Uh, Joe, Big Joe. Uh, all the all the super fans out there, uh, Stan, <laughs> who are listening right now, um, the Roughneck Scarves are in, and uh, we're excited about them. They look awesome. Uh, I think are we going to start posting them online so people can see what they look like? We will, yes, probably in the next twenty four to forty eight hours. Yeah, and uh, and we'll give you a link on how to how you can buy them. Uh, we'll be able to put a, put a PayPal link for for you guys to be able to buy them. We can ship them out to you guys if you're going to be at Camp Shutout or if you're going to be in Orlando for MLS All Star. 
uh, let us know. We can hold on to some for you guys uh, to buy there because we're going to have a bunch uh, for available for you guys there. Um, and guys, uh, if you're interested in getting a Roughneck scarf that's not an inside the 18 scarf, go to roughneckscarves.com. Uh, they've got all sorts of scarves for all the teams that are still in Copa, CONCACAF Gold Cup, uh, 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 Confederation of African, whatever the thing's called. African uh, yeah, African Cup of Nations, which we're going to be talking about on, on the episode, uh, the midweek episode, guys. I know you guys have so all been much. asking. I know a lot of people have been saying, like, hey, when are you guys going to talk about African? Did you see that post? And people were like, hey, that's cool that you guys have been to, got to Gold Cup and stuff and Copa. What about African uh, African Cup of Nations? And we're like, well, let's let's wait until it gets out of the group stage, and then uh, <laughs> and then we'll try to get into it. But uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that because there's been some cool stuff that's been happening in that too. Um, yes. But yeah, they've got those uh, scarves as well. So uh, go on there, check those out. Check out obviously the inside the 18 scarves, guys. Uh, we did not get to listener questions today. We did not get to reviews today, honestly, because we wanted to make sure that we really spent a good amount of time on this. So we'll get to those uh, in the later episode this week. Uh, but again, reach out contact at inside the 18 media.com with your questions. Uh, keep reviewing online. Uh, let us know if what you want us to come to your cities uh, because we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. And we're excited to everybody that we're going to see this summer. Um, I'm losing my voice. Uh, we were going to talk more NBA free agency for the next 15 minutes, <laughs> but, uh, but I think we're going to save that for uh, Stephen A. Smith to keep yelling about why the New York Knicks are a disaster. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18 today. We are out. Happy 4th of July. We'll see you after the 4th. Later. See you guys. Bye.